This is the year read of the 17-year emergence of the cicadas. 17 years, huh? So is that Melina, our millennial audience has never seen them? You know, this is actually great timing for me personally. My daughter just got a bearded dragon, and I'm tired of going to Petco every other day for crickets. So I wonder if I could just you know, swap them in. We'll be able to know if they're in your house because we'll be able to hear them when you're doing podcasting or video calls. Yeah, and surely like one cicada equals what? Uh, 10 crickets? I feel a business opportunity here. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into digital tools, solutions, and strategies that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information with you and have fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome to episode number 222-222. That's got to be something, right? It's the number two three times in a row. It's not a prime number or a non-prime number. It's one of the two, I guess, right? Prime or non-prime? Sorry, I, I digress. Uh, that is Chris Boyer. I'm Reed Smith. Welcome to Touchpoint. We certainly appreciate you tuning in, uh, in, in spite of our hosting abilities. <laughs> this week, we're uh, keeping in line with having uh, other hosts from the network on, talking about cool things. And you may be asking yourself, I don't know what that sentence means. And if you don't, Touchpoint, the show you're listening to, is a part of a network of shows called Touchpoint Media. Uh, Not a coincidence that they're the same name, but you can find out more over at touchpoint.health. You can find out more certainly about the show you're listening to or the episode you're listening to, uh, but the other shows and episodes and show hosts and topics and all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, You can uh, tune in over there and see what's new and what's going on. And would love to have you also sign up for the TPS report. Our weekly email comes out every Monday morning. Five articles to start your week. You can sign up for that while you're there. And rate, review, subscribe, all that kind of fun stuff. So certainly appreciate the support, the interest, the feedback as we continue now 222 episodes in. So let's take a quick pause and we'll be back with today's show. Chris, in today's digital age, your online reputation, as we all know, is crucial. With customers relying on online reviews, your first impression is also compared directly with your competitors. Sure is. And read, consider this, 86% of patients today read online reviews and 73% demand that that healthcare provider has a minimum four-star rating. Demand. They demand it. Yeah, they do. Well, to stand out, choose reputation to help amplify your brand and to build trust. Be the provider of choice in your area, understand patient sentiment, get actionable insights, and even foster patient loyalty. And look, here's the easy way you could do that. All you need to do is go visit reputation.com slash touchpoint. That's reputation.com slash touchpoint, where you can download their healthcare online reputation management guide and build a reputation that performs for you. All right, and welcome back. Welcome to the show. We're excited to jump into this one. We're talking about content today, and so you'll get a uh, chance to hear from Eric Silberman. He runs things or heads things up over at Tree North Customs just down the road from me, Chattanooga. They're a great company, great asset to the space and the industry. Most folks certainly that have been to all the conferences have seen them and probably run across them a time or two. So you'll get to hear a little bit more from him talking about content uh, and what that means for kind of volume recapture as, as we look to do that very thing. So anyway, more to come from him. He and uh, Jane from over at True North actually co-host one of our shows, Healthcare Insight for Marketers. So if you're not familiar with that show, it's a great interview-based show where they talk to some really, really cool folks around the industry. Our friend Matt Gove was on the most mm-hmm. recent episode, actually. Absolutely. So, 
anyway, go check that out, certainly. But let's jump in. Uh, let's jump into today's episode. We're going to talk a little bit about content as well. This first article that you found from CMS Wire, which actually is a really good publication. I enjoy that site. Obviously, very specific to content management systems. And so they kind of bleed into the content world, as you would imagine. But they've got a, a piece on there. The results are in content still king in 2021. <laughs> yeah, it still is king, isn't it? Or I, I don't know how that all fits together. If content is king, who's the queen? Is that content management systems? Or and who's the prince in this scenario? And yeah, is that automation? Who's the estranged prince that moves to America with his wife and babies? That's the chat bot. <laughs> anyway, I'm pretty sure it kind of underscores the the concept that content is still. You know, one of the most important things that we could do from a digital marketing perspective, and I just uh, this week, just yesterday when this podcast comes out, was on a, a conference with uh, another friend of the show, uh, uh, Hava Leaptag with AHA Media. And I was on a panel session with two other content marketers, and they just fantastic around content. And I was a technology person. And I made a point to say, you know, all my technology is great and all and setting up these digital experiences is great. But it's almost like I'm the plumbing and content is the water that goes through the plumbing. Obviously, this is not the platforms and the technology and things like that. It's, it's really what people consume. As part of this article, they actually interviewed marketing leaders across a variety of different industries to talk about how are they leveraging content in this day and age. And this is, you know, for 2021, for the time we're in now. And there were actually a couple of things that they kind of honed in on. So let's, why don't we just jump right into them, Reed? The first one is exactly what I just did. Get to the point. Oh, see what you did there. Nice. <laughs> they have a couple of quotes here. Karen Fridman, who's a former director of marketing at Alside, who is a content marketing agency, indicated that you should just cut through the noise. In an always-on world, the key to success is content that quickly gets to the point. And this is particularly important when you adjust to people that are working from home, because now we're distracted. There's so much content. There's Everybody's looking at a screen, both in their business life and in their private life. You just have to get right to the point and connect people to the right content at the right time. I, it makes a lot of sense. And that me another quote in here, very similar to what you're saying. And I thought this is interesting. This is from Ali Jawan. She's a senior director of marketing at the RepTrack company. But really talks about the idea that, you know, everybody has the same challenges. It's the same place they found themselves pre-pandemic, but with one, one big piece, which is less time. Less time or patience to research solutions. And so trying, and they talk about the fact that they've tried to make every piece of content as digestible as possible, using a lot of video, infographics, really trying to get to the point. Now, I think about this now in the context of, of healthcare marketing and hospital marketing, Reed. One of the things that we're not very well known for is getting right to the point. Is that fair? That is fair. <laughs> we, we tend to write a lot of content, but the content doesn't, in my mind, doesn't seem to be very much short. Well, I guess outside of social media, you know, when we look at hospital websites, I, you know, there's just so much content that's out there. Well, and the social piece was just because the platform forced us that direction. But yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the hospital websites that I've seen talk a lot and say little. I think what we, we, I'm using air quotes here, people that are in charge of certain service lines or areas of the organization or whatever it may be, I think what we think is important to folks is based on what we find interesting, not <laughs> necessarily what we have determined through consumer feedback or research or analytics or things like that. That's so true. And so some of these long blog posts or big in-depth websites that you can go deep and deeper and deeper into, it's probably because they don't really understand exactly what the customers want. So what they're doing is they're just, let's create everything that a customer could possibly want and we'll put it up on the site just in case, right, to appeal to that one person. I just did an audit of a, of a website in my health system. And this one particular page, the business felt it to be the most important. And it only had 30 people that hit the site over the last year, you know. Here's what's interesting about that, right? And, th and this is, you know, how, how does this relate to hospitals? And, you know, what do we do with this? Do look at those analytics, right? Because it may be that, like, here's our most important page of the site. Well, 
unfortunately, in some cases, I don't know if it's not getting traffic because no one cares or no one can find it or both. So again, what do you do? You know, get to the point, make sure that the calls to action, the what you want people to know and take away and do, you know, is front loaded, you know, whatever that means, top of the page, front of the site, very clear uh, in the first sentence of the social media post, you know, whatever the scenario is, really trying to make it clear about what it is, why it's important to the person reading it and what they should do. Which kind of leads to the second overall point here that they said, which is to support your customers. Interestingly enough, right, they say here that this concept that we talked about, Reed, about a year ago at this time in the pandemic, where hospitals are saying we're all in this together, that really is a, was a valuable touchstone that is still resonant among people today. In fact, one of the persons that they interviewed, Fred Waugh, former SVP of Marketing and Arena Solutions, put it this way, companies that support their customers through tough times will be winners in the long term. If we position this as we're being helpful, we're here together in this, we're working through the challenges. And right now, we're at a unique stage in our pandemic as well with hospitals where we're, we're moving to now we're going from vaccine availability to now addressing vaccine hesitancy. Again, with this concept of we're all in this together, it could work out pretty well. Melissa Lapp, Senior Director of Brand Marketing at Comcast, you know, talking about supporting their customers. I talked about the fact that she had a lot of success with the content that advised other businesses on how to get through the pandemic. So again, maybe not directly correlated with like their service offerings, but being a good, in this case, you know, she's in kind of that B2B space. How do you support others? How do you be a good corporate citizen, if you will, and those types of things by, by helping others? Yeah. And I think the last quote they have here is from the CMO at Cypher Health named Jim Summers. And he said, take care of your current customers first and foremost. And through that trust, you're going to build growth. And I think that's an important focus for us because oftentimes we, when we're thinking about bringing back volume to our hospitals and things like that, we may think about that as like reaching out to new patients, new potential customers. Don't forget about your current customers because they're your most loyal advocates at this point in time. I think that's a really, really excellent point. You know, as you think about what does this mean for hospitals and healthcare systems, look at your referral sources, look at folks like your complimentary kind of partner situations like, you know, EMS, for example, other large employers in town. You know, you talk about the idea of helping people get through the pandemic. Well, there may be other, you know, other employers that have the same amount, maybe a little more, maybe a little less, the employees that you have, you know, sharing best practices, right? Like setting up ways to say, you know, here's where we found success. Or what about you guys? And kind of building that rapport and building relationships through the support uh, network certainly is going to lead to business down the road because people do business with people they trust, right? Absolutely. And then I think, yeah, taking care of your customers first and, and foremost, I think, again, reaching out to the folks that refer to you, to the patients that come in your facility and trying to make sure that they're supported. You know, it's easy to kind of get caught in the trap of, New this, new that, new revenue, you know, that that kind of thing. You know, uh, really interesting um, to that point, the patient portal that I'm connected to, to my health system, it does do a good reminder to me, like to resume care and, you know, you're late for your appointment, that sort of thing. At the health system I was at, we recently uh, were asked to do an extra email just outside of the patient portal, just a direct email to those patients that have maybe lapsed care, just to remind them. And it was a very simple, simple, like little reminder. And Honestly, we're getting tremendous results. People are just like, oh, yeah, that reminds me. And they're not getting it from their patient portal. Now they're getting it from an email, right? And generating hundreds of calls to the practice. Now, we haven't tracked it all the way down to see if that generated appointments. But just don't forget about those existing customers. What's the last trend here that they talk about, Reed? Personalize at scale. Oh, boy. That sounds like an oxymoron personalize at scale. But anyway, but but really the idea here is uh, it's quality, not quantity. So, you know, how do you segment your customers, look at, um, you know, who you're trying to speak directly to and not just bombarding them with as much content as you can, but really personalizing the content that speaks directly to that particular customer group. You know, that that's that's the sentiment here. 
Yeah, there was a, a quote here that says, instead of trying to get new email addresses, focus on accounts with proven interest and build your marketing metrics around optimizing their journeys. So to me, that speaks a lot of marketing automation. That's marketing automation all over. It's because those are people you know that are interested. That's the whole point of having marketing automation. And focus your personalization's efforts on those areas. Don't try to over-architect your site to become personalized to anybody coming to the site. Just go after those people that you know. That's exactly right. As we talk through it, it kind of makes a lot of sense. Reed, after the break, why don't we come back and we talk about, there's a couple of other things that we could could chat about before we go to our interview. The first is around some strategies that they're showing are leading the way in 2021, specific ones that are for this time. And then lastly, we'll kind of wrap up with six key tips for content marketing. But we'll do that right after this break. Coming soon from Greystone, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media, live from HCIC, a new podcast that brings you front row access to the latest innovative strategies that are shaping tomorrow's healthcare industry. In this 12-part series, as recorded live at the Healthcare Internet Conference, we'll hear from industry experts such as Paul Matson of the Cleveland Clinic, Kathy Smith of Roper St. Francis Healthcare, David Feinberg from Mount Sinai Health System, Rose Glenn from Michigan Medicine, and many others. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast series is brought to you by Greystone.net, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media. All right, so let's let's jump back in, and and we're going to talk first about an article that you found over on Forbes around content marketing strategies uh, that are leading the way in 2021. And so, take this for what it is, but I, you know you're probably going to position most of these as tactics or ways to create content or particular content streams, if you will. But let's jump in. The first one they talk about is live video. Obviously, live video viewership grew over the pandemic. You know, everybody thinks about Netflix and, you know, the streaming services. But man, I'll tell you, I'm one that I might watch more YouTube now than I ever have. There are certain people know because of the recommendations I've made and stuff like that. I like to do woodworking and this, that, and the other. Well, I subscribe to certain channels of like woodworkers and, and you know, those kinds of guys. And, and I watch all their videos. You know, much like you would like a, I don't know, um, Arrested Development or something. Yeah. And more so, I also have found not only YouTube and Netflix and all those places, I have over the last year done a lot of like real live videos where I've tuned in and it could be a variety of things like a cooking class that you could do, right? Where you're with with a chef on one end and you're part of, you know, the audience and you're cooking along with them or watching musicians play. I've done that. We've even watched a play performed at our local arts center via video. So this whole concept of live video viewership is interesting. They say in one survey of a thousand adults, 80% would rather watch a live video than read a blog. And another found that consumers are 39% more likely to share content if it's delivered via video. Oh, a hundred percent. Well, 39%, but But yeah, for sure. I mean, I am hard-pressed to read an email this morning, a couple of sentences long at this point in my life. So yeah, absolutely. And so they, they talk about the, you know, the need to really focus on engaging uh, you know, through the experience without you know, really promoting products. And I think that's where the opportunity is. You know, how, again, how do you become a trusted voice? Well, one way to do it is with the second strategy slash tactic AI powered content, artificial intelligence, you know, that they indicate here, the technology is becoming more publicly available. It's going to set off, set to take off in 2021. And they even allude to the fact that AI is now smart enough to be able to write captions or even full length articles or blog posts. I don't necessarily see that happening in, in healthcare, but one of the points they have here, Reed, is that AI likely won't replace content creation. It cannot match our abilities to think critically and feel emotion, but consider how it could augment research and drafting processes. You know, and we've talked about this before when we were talking about like chatbots. Chatbots help us to understand what people's intent are. Using that as your sort of your strategic input into your content strategy, that makes a ton of sense here. 
For sure. And people start thinking about ways to use AI. You know, I think, again, I think we've got an opportunity, you know, around the project management processes, if you will, of, you know, how we create content is a great, great place to potentially start. They talk next about content in the buyer journey. According, they say, to pre-pandemic data from Google, 82% of smartphone users consult their phone when they're in a store. I see now while we're talking about pre-pandemic. <laughs> in 2020, as many people were forced to stay home, we saw digital content become even more essential as part of the buying journey. So, uh, yeah, I mean, certainly I'm going to guess orders through ads on Instagram and stuff like that probably went through the roof because, again, people were at home. I know I you know, found a new line of clothes that I really like, uh, you know, shorts and sweatshirts and that, that kind of thing, and found it through an Instagram ad. And so I do think there's product placements in these YouTube videos and reviews and all, you know, all kinds of stuff that you know, could be part of that buyer journey, but it's really content that's being produced. And also to an earlier point, they say here that many consumers expect an immediate answer at the moment they want to know, do, or buy. And so content marketing should support that. They suggest using mobile-first strategies, look at, you know, any anything like apps, notifications, etc., to create simplified forms and clutter v- free conversion funnels and optimize local listings to enable people to discover it on Google directly without coming to your website. That makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah, for sure. Well, the last one, drum roll. Uh Uh-oh. Podcast. Oh. Now we're getting somewhere. We were ahead of the curve, clearly. No, so it says this, this is another form of content that's accelerated you know, amid the pandemic, which is interesting because I thought when the pan- when the pandemic started, I thought we'd see our numbers go down as a network, not just as a show, but just across the network. Because the assumption was people were listening to our show uh, drive time because I-, I listen to a lot of podcasts when I'm in the car and drive time specifically commuting to and from the office. Well, now that people weren't doing that, I thought, well, numbers will go down and they didn't. They went up, which was kind of interesting. It's a way to create content and put it in a maybe less noisy channel in some respects. And if done right, right, they say here too that you can federate your podcast to multiple different places, but they can also boost your SEO. And there's a lot of great creative ways that hospitals are even uh, collaborating with others to create great, interesting content in new new mediums. So yeah, I, I love the fact that they include a podcast here, Reed. I'm, I'm all about it. I'm all in. All in. Well, that's good because we're 222 episodes. <laughs> and I don't, I don't really know a way out. So, um, we'll just be doing this every Wednesday for the rest of our lives, I guess. Well, let's finish up really quick before we get to the interview with Eric. Six key tips to level up your content marketing strategy. First one, copywriting is the basis, the basis of content creation. All right. It sure is. It sure is. Seems pretty logical. (laughs) I mean, I guess the point here is that ensure that your business's vision, tone and voice, messaging is in your content. Don't be in a rush to outsource your content or just to quickly throw together content. Think about it in a more strategic way. Realize that every kind of all your content, whatever your content expression is, it's it's going to be there. So and the second point is to engage your target audiences. Content's only great as content, but make sure it's visible to those people that matter. So that's, again, back to this point that we've brought up a couple times before, Reed, making sure we know who we're targeting and providing them the content that they need in order to get to, get to where they're going. Number three, stay relevant with evergreen content. This this is an interesting one and an important one. I you know I know we've seen success with some of our hospitals around content that was around uh, request a free first aid kit, you know, kind of a thing. Well, that's good SEO, and all of a sudden you're getting like thousands of people from all over wanting these these kits. So it's like, how do you create things that? It's just good information that's not going to change, at least not in the short term. You know, it's interesting. I was just having this conversation last week because with all the changes to, to the vaccine and the phases and the rollout, we even have kind of categorized content that we're creating as being like, well, this is going to be evergreen content, even though there are changes that might occur. So that just becomes very important and very timely. 
Here's another one that I like. Make the most out of your content management systems. These are great ways to manage conceptualization, modification, and publication of your online content. Say those words three times fast. Um, That's kind of hard. It was a mouthful. It enables you, content management systems enable you to manage the content on your various digital platforms. So invest some time in actually leveraging your CMS to help support your content strategies. I mean, make the most of all your technology, the stuff that you've bought. Seems like that would be a good idea or a good business. That should be a book. There you go. Uh, Number five on the list, interact with a call to action. I think this is, again, it's fine to provide people with good information, but how do we then uh, encourage and give them a logical next step? So that could be make an appointment or call a number or fill out a form or something like that. But make, make sure it's beneficial to them, certainly. Really think about what those calls to action look like. It's funny that we still have to mention that, but it, it's always lost. Or it's maybe not always, but mostly lost. Okay, the sixth is, I'm not sure if this needs a drum roll, but similar to the podcast reveal, create connections with blogging. Blogging is still a great way to interact, this article suggests, with your customers on a more personal and intimate basis. They even go so far as to say that a blog can be used in many different ways to advertise, to promote, to build brand awareness, to generate leads, to support your branding. They're putting a lot of importance on building out a blog, Reed. I'm not sure. I, 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 in your experience, do you think blogs hold that much value? I don't know. That's a good question. And the reason I say that is because I think about it relative to the time, effort, and energy that it takes to maintain one, create one. And there's very few people, I think, that do it really, really well. I think Dr. V, Dr. Brian Vardabedian, does a nice job with 33 Charts. He's one of the show hosts here on the network. You know, He's doing a really great job with thought leadership and the way he creates uh, written content. I think most businesses struggle with that a little bit because people don't want to hear from businesses. They want to hear from people. That opens up a whole nother kind of world of how do we do that? Now, I think there's a whole SEO component to this, certainly, that's very good. It's interesting, right? And so it's like, do you do a podcast and just have it transcribed and call it a blog? Do you? I mean, there's different ways you can kind of think through that that maybe is more efficient. Agreed. It takes a certain type of commitment to actually, you know, maintain consistent content strategy and a blogging really requires that it's not for the faint of heart, right? Isn't that what we say? Yeah. And I think you just, you just got to find the right people, right? You got, there's certain people that really want to write stuff. And those are the people you have to find to really make this a successful endeavor to just look at another organization and go, Ooh, they have a pediatrician writing a blog. We need a pediatrician writing a blog probably not the best way to go about it. I mean, it may on paper be a good idea because it appears to be working, but unless you have somebody that's really, you know, kind of honed into that area and that's what they want to do, uh, it's going to make it, make it hard to be, you know, really see that through to be successful. Mm-hmm. Well, let's flip over to our interview. Um, you know, I had a chance to sit down with Eric Silberman, the head honcho, if you will, over at uh, True North Customs. Talked a little bit about content, volume recapture, the role it plays as we kind of think about, you know, what do we do at this point as things are opening back up? And, you know, what, what role does content play? What are some of those conversations in, around the organization that we need to have? So appreciate him coming on again. He's half of the duo that hosts a show called Healthcare Insight for Marketers. And you can find out more about it certainly over at touchpoint.health. But let's uh, take a quick pause and jump into today's conversation. Welcome back to the Ask the Expert portion of the podcast. Today, I am uh, excited to be uh, joined by another show host on the Touchpoint Media Network and uh, a guy over at True North Customs, Eric Silberman. Thanks for uh, coming on for a few minutes. Reed, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, you, uh, along with Jane, your co-host, have been hosting uh, Healthcare Insight for Marketers, a great podcast uh, that's here on the network. Again, we've got links and all that kind of fun stuff, but you can find it certainly on the True North website as well as uh, touchpoint.health. Uh, if you want to track that down, I would encourage you to 
subscribe. But uh, maybe for folks that are not familiar with you or True North Customs, uh, a little bit of your background and uh, kind of what you guys are doing over there. Thanks for the opportunity, Reed. So yeah, I'm Eric Silverman, I'm president and CEO of True North Custom. I've been at True North all of my life. Not really. I've been there for, for 18 years, though, this year. So it's been um, been a real honor and a privilege to be part of the part of the the company. True North is a, a content marketing firm um, for healthcare. And we've got the kind of great privilege of working with hundreds of hospitals and health systems and, and healthcare providers around the country. And our focus is great content that is tied to the engine for revenue acquisition, for, for growth, for brand, and really great outcomes on both the paid and organic side of content to help our clients achieve the promise of, of a great customer experience by aligning them with, with, with services, you know, in their time of need when they're searching. So it's a great business. We've been growing by leaps and bounds and it's been a lot of fun, but I'll tell you something else that's been a lot of fun is being a part of the Healthcare Insight podcast for, for marketers. We've had a bunch of great, great guests on the show. We had Amanda Todorovich from, from Cleveland Clinic, uh, Rose Glenn at Michigan Medi- Medicine. Outside of, of the industry, we had Rand Fishkin from a company called Spark Toro. It's been a ton, a ton of fun and a really unique opportunity to, to hear from experts across the industry in a format that you know it's a little a little bit different it's it's a little bit different than the typical seat on the bus that that I'm sitting in as 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 CEO at True North it, it is fun and Chris and I have enjoyed uh, listening to the shows certainly, and um, you know, well, uh, well received. It seems like is you know, more and more folks are listening. We're hearing from folks online certainly, and uh, so that that's been great. And, and look forward to upcoming episodes and and all that kind of fun stuff. Talking about content, I, you know, Chris and I have talked obviously about content strategy and, and different things through the years uh, on different episodes paid versus organic, et cetera. But I, I know, you know, in my day job here at Gerard, uh, you know, we, we're hearing a lot about uh, volume recapture and, and the need for growth and how do we get people back in and it's safe to come back and, you know, have these elective procedures and all that kind of stuff. What, when you think about content, like what role is content playing in and amongst these providers as it relates to uh, volume and growth right now? Like how are people looking at, at content currently? I think it's a great, it's a great question. You know, <laughs> my dad used to always say, and, and I know he borrowed it from, from Henry Kaiser, but he used to always say that the problems are opportunities in work clothes, right? And I've, I've always thought about that one. And I think it's super germane right now as it relates to content. And what I mean is content is at such an incredible saturation point and the kind of current circumstances, I think, for how all of us are working remotely, kind of how we're engaging with content. It has created this incredible glut of content that has made it really, really hard for marketers, for healthcare organizations to cut through the clutter of what's real and what is propaganda and kind of what, how to communicate a trustworthy message to consumers. You know, on the podcast recently, we had uh, Ken Chaplin of Cancer Treatment Centers of America, and he talked to us a little bit about kind of their experience with the shadow curve, with, with the incidents of cancer persisting and people being afraid to get screenings or not finding out about it a month later, two months later, six months later, and, and kind of what the implication of that is for mortality, you know, really, really serious, serious uh, implications. And to me, when I think about content's role in addressing that and, and volume recapture and, and then the shadow curve, as, as Ken talks about it, the opportunity and how I think what I see the best work happening in the market is this real connectivity to authenticity and to uh, message connectivity around not just the kind of growth and recapture side, but the educational side of content marketing in a way that gets out in front of consumers where they are in their decision-making and, and trying to, to address uh, opportunities, the word that I want to use, but, but, but trying to address their own concerns about how to, how to proceed. Cause there's a ton 
of conflicting perspective out there. And today, I think that our opportunity in the healthcare space is really to lean in to how we're connecting with people and sharing the real information in a way that, that, that helps people get the care they need. Are we ready to do that? We, we've, at Gerard, have done a number of studies over the last year or so about uh, trust and, you know, and, and everybody trusts doctors. And, and we knew this historically, but we didn't realize the gap, I don't think, between like doctors and nurses and those clinicians and like some of the other high profile people, elected officials, maybe. And so, how do we continue to leverage that trust into this idea that it's safe to return? I mean, we saw this with the pause of the J&J vaccine. What did that undo? you know, and, and, and some of those types of things. So it's like, how do we need to be inserting ourselves uh, into this place? You know, when we think about content and, you know, who those people are and who we want to hear from and, you know, that kind of thing. You know, I, I think it's a great, great question. It reminds me of a discussion we had on the Healthcare Insight podcast for, for marketers um, with a guy named Victor Rice um, from, from UNC Health. And he talked a lot about the research that they were doing across different audiences and some of the really unique things that they found about people's relationship with the messaging that they were sharing and with different points of concern in, in their relationship with getting the vaccine specifically. There's no spoilers here. You can, can go listen to the, the episode with Victor Rice. It was, it was a lot of fun, but I do think we're ready. But I think readiness is a, it's an evolving state based on the the current current realities of of kind of information and and what's emerging to me the heart of it is audience identification and really building a messaging strategy around the identifiable components of concern opportunity and and really pain points for for consumers and and obviously at Gerard you guys are doing great work on the research and segmentation side of of the sphere that I think really enables marketers to do that well this piece of the puzzle is part of the nobility of purpose that I think that we have as as marketers you know I've I've seen some of the charts that kind of lump you know, who, who do you, it, we're talking about trust, you know, you put like doctors at the top of the heap and then you put like salespeople and marketers like way, way down, way, way down at the bottom of the heap. But I don't think it has to be that way. I think, I think really we've got this tremendous opportunity to support the greater good, the patient experience and outcomes, particularly right now where to your, to your point, we've seen so much contrast drawn between what I think at least I used to be able to expect in terms of where the trust curve lies for physicians, elected officials, nurses, you know, who, who can you trust has become such a timely question. I also think it is an incredibly important opportunity for, for those of us that are in the, in the marketing space for healthcare and, and, and content marketing being a big piece of that puzzle. When you talk about the evolving state, I don't know that we ever go back to what we were. Uh, I don't know how far we move, you know, the, the spectrum shifts for the marketers. I, I feel like, you know, we talked a lot about organic was dead. If you want to see anything, you got to put money behind it. And, you know, so, some of these like basic principles, but really some of the things we saw over the pandemic was people started looking to healthcare for answers. So the organic stuff was yeah, I'm not saying just spiked through the roof, but you were getting some traction on organic related content, like on social, for example, that historically you probably weren't going to get a lot of eyeballs on. And so we talk about leveraging trust. Well, I think we've got an opportunity to even leverage this kind of recent track record of, uh, you know, maybe the algorithms in our favor a little bit right now, just because people have been looking at some of our content. And so I think there's a timeliness factor to this too, of trying to stay on top and be out in front of what's happening. And again, I mentioned the J and J piece. I don't know the answer to this, but like, you know, how many of these hospitals were the first ones out there, talking about being transparent, reassuring, you know, whatever it may be. How do you think about, you've got a content plan, but that timeliness and kind of day-to-day 
you know, how, how do we move quick enough, I guess, to be able to take advantage of some of these things? While health-related searches on Google, you know, we've heard tons of stats about that. I think, you know, the most recent recent one I heard was that one in 14 searches are, are health-related, right, on, on Google. And and there, we are in this moment in time where hospitals have center stage in a, with consumers in a way that that perhaps they have never had in history from a looking to healthcare organizations for trusted information about the, the current state. And so timeliness, I think, is a major, major piece of that puzzle because, you know, just the volume of information that, that circulates around any given given topic kind of being first to market, you know, I think I think matters. When I think about the clients and organizations that I see doing this best, it is either building or partnering with with a company like like True North to have an engine that touches really relevant content across the sphere of paid, organic social, uh, paid search, paid social, um, and the brand. Uh, side of of the house, in addition to really kind of meeting the information gap where it is, and there's been you know this 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 shows up in my experience in a number of different ways at at the market level. I mean, you know, there are these kind of national trends in, in information seeking, but there are also things that happen um, in terms of the types of information and types of concerns that show up that are really nuanced to different audiences and communities as well. The, the hospitals that I see and the healthcare organizations that I see doing it best have some real connectivity to who their audience is and what those concerns are. And they're, you know, working with, with great partners like Gerard on, on that kind of level of insight or with True North on, on that kind of content development that, that really connects to the individual issues. So when you think about, so I, I, you know, I'm listening to this podcast, I'm a marketer, communications professional at a hospital somewhere in America, I would assume. I don't know why else you'd be listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows? Um, Something for everybody. But, yeah, exactly. Well, so anyway, so I, I'm, I'm listening and I'm like, okay, uh, strike while the iron's hot, you know, now's the opportunity, you know, what, whatever, you know, fill in the blank, you know, with my organization, what, what do I go do today? Like I, you know, I haven't done anything. What conversation do I go have? You know, what analytics do I go look at? You know, how do I start down this path of planning and trying to create uh, a little momentum behind how we think about content or even just verifying that what we're doing is right or wrong or, you know, those types of things. What, what, what are some of those kind of first steps for folks? When I think about the, the content side of the house specifically, you know, I think one of the kind of easiest and best first places to start is with an SEO audit and and some keyword research. Either you can do that independently. There's a lot of great tools out there. You can do it with a with a partner that gives you some insight into okay, what are what are we seeing now in terms of where the interest is, what what the issues are broadly, where we're gathering the the traffic that we're developing, and then and then it's a pretty simple exercise as a marketer, right, to kind of overlay that with how does this sync up or not and the or not piece I think is is one of the the, the most insightful pieces with what we're doing now and, and and what our plan is from a content development standpoint you know just as tactical blocking and tackling I think that that's a easy place to start to get kind of a opportunity to get your head out of the boat kind of look out at the horizon and say what's what's happening in the market here what's happening with 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 our audience and then how does that overlay with with what the opportunity is from from a content standpoint i also think that when you start thinking about answering that question you know what does this mean for where we are from a content standpoint it's easy to get down to the technical piece of how do I make sure that I'm aligned with showing up? And I think that that's, that's very important. How do I make sure that I'm showing up in organic? How do I make sure that I'm showing up in, in paid? But one of the big opportunities is there is so much content that's going to show up and the vast majority of it is just no good. And so, so when you're thinking as a marketer about like, 
if I'm going to focus on one or two pieces of great content, there's all kinds of accessible guidance in terms of maybe what that should be about. But in terms of how to make it really, really connected and relevant to an audience, you know, I go back to the principles of uh, emotional intelligence. A friend of mine, um, Taryn McKenzie, works for a company called Talent Smart, and they have a book, uh, Emotional Intelligence 2.0. But they talk about this idea of when we interact with information, there's not a stitch of it that gets to our prefrontal cortex without first passing through our kind of amygdala, you know, the kind of most basic part of our brain that when you're walking down the a trail in the woods and you see a stick on the ground, you jump and say, oh my goodness, it's a snake. You know, like, like that part of our brain is there to, to protect us, right? And, and help us do threat assessment and, you know, can, can I ignore this? You know, is this helpful? And, and I think that principle, and I mean, it shows up, uh, Oren Claff wrote a book called Pitch Anything and he talks about, talks about this principle. Malcolm Gladwell talked about this in talking to strangers about kind of what our frame of reference is and how we connect to, to other people. But I think as light an exercise as it sounds, I think one of the most important things we can do when we're thinking about content is get down to that emotional connectivity of what's the amygdala going to think of this? Does this look like a snake or does it look like an opportunity? (laughs) If you're trying to figure out where to start, it'd be really the simplest path to success in my view is looking outside at the horizon in terms of what, what the world wants from you. But then thinking about how to make that as emotionally connected at its core as you can. And, and that's where we see great results with content. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. I mean, that's, <clears throat> that's a couple of really great tips, uh, both on the technical side and just from a style, tone, voice, you know, like, how, you know, what, what are we doing? What are we trying to convey and how are we doing that? So that's both, you know, auditing the stuff that you have and kind of the plans that you have, but also, you know, on the technical side. So those are those are great, man. I, I think this is this is awesome. Really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing some tips and insights, and um, really appreciate the the work that you guys are doing, and then also the podcast. So, healthcare insight for marketers. You can find it over at touchpoint.health. Certainly, we'll have links in the show notes and all that kind of good stuff. If people want to track you down, what is the best way to do that? So if you want to track me down personally, LinkedIn is always a really great way to do it. Or you can reach me via the website at truenorthcustom.com. My email's esilberman at truenorthcustom.com. And I'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for the opportunity to be here, Reed. This has been great. Thanks. And we'll, uh, we'll have you back soon. Thanks to Eric for uh, giving of his time and spending a few minutes with me. Um, it's always good to connect, hear from experts in the space, certainly. But um, I think content is, is something that everybody struggles with. And so as we kind of think about the new normal, uh, if you will, I'll be curious to see what people do in the content space and kind of what role that plays. So anyway, it was great to have him on. Before we get to recommendations, just a quick plug for the TPS report. You heard me mention it earlier. You can sign up over at touchpoint.health. It's five articles to start off your week. Down at the bottom of that email are links to all upcoming industry education, if you will. It's a great way to kind of have that list in front of you each week. I'd encourage you to click through, check out the conferences, uh, sign up for a few. If you know of others that they're not on there that we should add, uh, let us know. But uh, it's a great way to you know keep that top of mind. And uh, let's do a couple of recommendations before we get out of here. Reed, I am going to recommend something today that seems a little bit strange, but I'm just telling you it's probably one of the most important things I've ever used in my life. All right. No pressure here. I am going to recommend a bowl. Just a bowl. I know it seems kind of very simple, right? Like just a bowl. But I was just thinking about the value bowls have in a household. Think about like how you can use a bowl. This weekend, in, in and of itself, I used a bowl when I popped some popcorn and I put popcorn into a big, big popcorn bowl, you know, like a bowl that everyone can dip into. Or, you know, made some chili, can have chili out of a bowl, like a, a personal serving bowl. I have cereal out of a bowl. 
We put plants into basically pots that are like bowls, if you think about it. You know, as I was kind of thinking about like just the importance that a bowl has in your life, that's probably one of the most valuable things that that I have in my house. And so it's kind of a weird recommendation, but I think a bowl and uh, a fork, those are the two most important things in my house right now. Yeah, no, I think it's great. Also good for haircuts. <laughs> I am going to recommend something that uh, maybe not everybody has, but <clears throat> and, and it's not that I, but I would assume most people have played this game, but as a badminton set. Ooh. Just coincidentally, I was, was at some, uh, we, were, we were out of town this weekend for um, a little get together and was at some friend's house and and they had gotten a badminton slash volleyball set. You know how you get like the combo thing or whatever. Uh, somebody got it for Christmas and they decided to break it out. And so we set up the the badminton, which is a little bit of a shorter net. This thing's like regulation, a lot larger than I thought it was going to be. But like you don't even have to play badminton. You can just kind of get out there and like hit it back and forth. It's pretty fun. I mean, you really have to hit it, you know, to get it over the get the birdie over the net. So it's, it's good for kids cause they can just swing away, you know, kind of thing. It's, it's somewhat hard to lose the birdie. You're not chasing it constantly like you would like a tennis ball or something. So anyway, it's fun. It's just, it was a good way to, you know, just kind of stand out in the yard and, you know, play a little bit and then get in the pool, cool off that kind of thing. So yeah, badminton set. Are you a, a badminton or a pickleball player? Yeah, I can go either way. Pickleball is probably a little easier to set up, right? Um, you don't, but anyway, yeah, I could do either. Yeah, good old badminton. Uh, yeah, it's been a while since I played badminton, so that's a that's a good idea. Yeah, it's fun. You gotta have a place to put a net, obviously, but you know, just just the idea, of just kind of getting out there. There's something you can kind of hit back and forth versus the little the two paddles and the ball that everybody takes to the beach that nobody can hit more than like three times, and it's you're like chasing the ball constantly. Or even volleyball, for that matter. Um, this is a pretty good way just because it gives you a chance. You know, that little birdie kind of floats in the air, so it gives you a chance to kind of set up and hit it back, you know, kind of thing. You know, it can only go so far. I'm wondering if that's part of the Olympics, too. Badminton used to be in the Olympics. I feel like I could win. <laughs> anyway, that's neither here nor there. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for rating, review, subscribing uh, to the show. We certainly appreciate it. If there are topics, guests, uh, feedback on existing shows, uh, we'd love to hear it. Uh, reach out to us, Twitter, LinkedIn. It's probably the easiest way to track us down individually. Certainly, if you will, subscribe to the show and the TPS report. That's the best way you can help us out. Short of just simply telling someone else and maybe getting a hold of their phone and subscribing to our show for them. Uh, I would recommend that. Try that. But uh, we certainly appreciate it. We certainly um, look forward to seeing uh, some of you in person at some point this year. So we'd love to hear about uh, the conferences you're planning to attend and, and kind of what that outlook looks like for your organization. So for Chris, I'm Reed, and we will see you next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.